0: Welcome to Bass Lane with Sarah Jane, a podcast for women who are on the move, managing life and family. Your host, Sarah Jane, is building a tribe and talking about the things that affect the daily lives of moms. You can expect real conversations about managing chaos, finding ways to take care of mind and body, and stepping outside your comfort zone on the way to living your best life. Hold on for a wild ride. Now, let's get started. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane and we have a repeat guest today. Brian Heinz is back because he was just so popular uh, with the last podcast that I got a lot of people who sent me questions that they wanted me to ask. So we are here today to get back in. We're going to jump right back into things. So if you haven't listened to the first Uh, podcast with Brian just stop right now and go listen to it then we'll come (laughs) back to this one (laughs) no we'll catch you up so Brian and I last time spoke about uh Brian was addicted to alcohol and he is not anymore he changed his life and so our focus today is how it how his life changed after okay so welcome back
1: thank you for having me
0: Yes. Okay. So, after you stopped drinking, did you need to isolate yourself from other people?
1: Well, I was actually um, living out of state. So, I was living in Des Moines for a job. So, it was tough because it was just me. So, I did, you know, stay in my apartment for a while because, you know, when it's just you and you get bored, like, boredom is, like, a bad, you know, bad idea, especially when you're an addict or an alcoholic, you know, or whatever, but, I mean, I wouldn't say that I, like, locked myself in, but I was very, like, self-conscious about, you know, I would pick up food instead of go to the bar and eat, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. it was just, like, little, you know, conscious decisions about don't put yourself in bad situations, you know. There's a saying that I always read. It's, like, don't keep dancing with the devil and wonder why you're still in hell Mm. I read that quote because I read through like recovery quotes every day and that one always seems to pop up but it it is true I mean if you put yourself you know in a bad situation you know chances are you're gonna slip but it wasn't anything crazy like I didn't have to handcuff myself to like my radiator or anything.
0: Well, that is good. So did you feel like you had to isolate yourself from alcohol specifically? Is that why you were grabbing food and eating at home? Like you were just trying to stay away from all the things?
1: Well, because I had done it in the past where I would take like 30 days off just kind of like to prove to myself that I didn't have a problem, which if you're having to do that in the first place, I think it means that you have some backwards thinking. But I mean, for me, it never really seemed like it was you know a permanent thing because I had done it before so like in my head I'm like well I know I said like this is different this time but is it going to be different so like I just took myself out of the situations of like sitting at the bar and eating and being like well you know cool it's been 25 days that's whatever I'll try to get a different you know so just mm-hmm. out of sight out of mind because if I was at home and there was no alcohol like especially you know when I go out I would sit at the bar and eat because it was just me so then you know that whole like alcohol like rack right in front you know what I mean so it's just like just don't even look at it kind mm-hmm. of thing
0: so then this is random and I'm going off script here but like when you go to church do you do church wine or do you do grape juice
1: uh they do just juice at our church all so just- they, don't, they don't yeah they don't do those they hand out like little pre-packaged ones and that's always been that way. So it's like a juice and a cracker, and then you do both. So it's not it's not alcohol. So then everyone can do it. Okay.
2: Good. I did I always wanted to, to when I was little
1: though. I was like, can I get some of that one? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when you go with your grandparents and you're like, oh man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So.
0: The little thimbleful.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So afterwards, how did you get into social settings when you first um, got sober?
1: Well, so I, um, it was October 25th. So that was the last, you know, the, my sobriety date. And then there was a Vikings game, I believe like November 3rd, it was the Lions against the lions in 2012. So it was my first game, like tailgate, like not drinking. So that I like threw myself right in the fire, you know, cause that's all we used to do before, you know, get out, get there at 7am, whatever. Um, it was funny, too, because a friend of mine that works for the Vikings, I, w- I would always see him before the games, you know, like taught and that would just be complete, you know, disaster. And I had to call him before the game because we had a mix up with something. And I was like, John, you know, and he's just like, dude, I can actually understand. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that was the first time. But, like, I've done stuff, you know, since then, like, weddings I went to Vegas um you know done stuff where you know drinking is like the centerpiece of it really and I mean Vegas and Vikings game I mean Vegas was the big test for me Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: I stayed in a hotel I stayed at Caesars by myself and my other friends rented a house and like just to be there alone and to you know have that you know willpower I mean it was a good thing though It's, it's good therapy to you know, you can kind of like test yourself. I think it's important to do that.
2: So you really didn't you have just...
1: to
0: isolate, and you did not wait long. I mean, you waited eight days to get yeah. into. Yeah, I wasn't league.
1: gonna miss the Vikings game. Come on. Wow,
0: <laughs> that's dedication. But I mean,
1: it it really made me realize, you know how, you know those those events like checking those boxes off. It was kind of like that. Maybe this is different because I don't really like to put the stake into like, you know how people always mess up like. I'm never going to drink again. You know, they, it's like, Holy crap. Like how about you just don't drink today? Like, you know, and they say never again, like with anything. And then it, you like put that unnecessary pressure on yourself. And I just, I do that with, you know, other things sometimes. So like, you're just like, I can't ever do that again. But then it's like, just use that, you know, 24 hour. That's a big thing in sobriety for me too, is like, be sober today. Like, don't worry about tomorrow. Like get, mm-hmm. Make sure you're sober today.
0: So did you become addicted to anything else after stopping alcohol?
1: Well, it's funny because the old thing about AA is everyone smokes because they need, you know, they have smoke breaks. So I, the first couple of months I went to AA, like I I smoked like socially just like because everyone else was doing it. But Mm -hmm. I didn't pick up really anything. I mean, I always, I drink caffeine, but I've always drank caffeine. So nothing really, no. Cigarettes didn't, I mean, it wasn't like I would smoke by myself. So it was like, if I was at a meeting, like, I'll have one just to give my brain a little, you know, get a little <laughs> buzz. But, um, no, I never, no, I don't think I ever really, because that does happen a lot where you just trade one for the other. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like you didn't find yeah. another, you didn't find a vice.
1: Uh, peanut M&M's. I ate a lot of those. Really? So, and yeah but my new thing now is dark chocolate almonds like I can't get enough
0: (laughs) well at least you're healthy now because those are nuts
1: yeah dark chocolate is good
0: it is okay so one thing I was thinking I was listening to your vlog earlier and you were talking about how when you were drinking you would break plans a lot with people what do you think now when people flake out on you? Like, do you judge them more or do you give them more more grace? Well,
1: I, I think there's a very, a, a perfect line between that because I know I have a bigger understanding now of life, like in general. So like, mm-hmm. if I'm tired, if I have a long day or like have schoolwork or whatever to do and like I've made plans, but like to just be honest with someone and be like, you know, I'm just not feeling it instead of like just not talking to them at all. Like just think, you know, just mm-hmm. not texting them or calling, you know what I mean? or it's just, a, it just is a whole different situation. So, like, if someone is upfront and honest with me, like, I don't, I mean, I get it. Like, people have bad days, you know, people have, especially now, you know, with being having friends with kids, you know, everything, cha- you know, the whole dynamic changes. It's not like we're 20 anymore and we have like the freedom to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, honesty, transparency, communication is important in not just relationships, but friendships too, I feel like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if you can't make it, I'd rather tell, you know, I'd rather you call me and be like, I don't want to do this, but be like, not hear from you. Right. So yeah, I mean, I struggled with that for a long time, even, you know, in the beginning of sobriety, it, I always felt like I was letting people down, you know. And I, I never want to. You turn into kind of a yes man, so you like say yes to them when they ask. But in, in your head, you're right. like, Ugh. then you get to that day, and you're like, oh, this is like the, <laughs> the worst yes. idea I've ever had. But yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I don't judge people, but I get it. I know we're all human, you know, and like stuff happens. But just communicate.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think some of that though? When when people like turn into a yes man, you think some of that's insecurity.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just feel like the situations like being put on the spot or confrontation because you are going to have people that push back. You know, where you're like, I can't do. Well, you said, you know, they come at you, and it's like avoiding confrontation. That's a big thing for a lot of people is avoiding confrontation. You know, they'd rather just be quiet and not say anything. You know, instead of like raising their voices or whatever. Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think it it had to do with that and I just really didn't want to avoid like let people down or you know wanted to avoid like having to explain myself or Mm -hmm. you know because you don't want to hurt people's feelings you know if they're like oh do you have something going on you're like no I just don't want
0: to I I know
1: (laughs) it's tough I mean especially as you get older because you're so tired I mean some days I'm just like school and work and then I just come home and I just fall over you know I'm like I can't do anything
0: I totally get it I know learning to say no is definitely a good thing um okay let's talk about relationships after um going through rehab okay do you feel in a relationship you need to prove yourself more because of everything you've gone through
1: I think for the biggest thing for me in relationships is I've always been uh, we talked about this earlier, but i always been like a caretaker, like a fixer kind of person. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I don't know why I gravitate towards that. I think maybe it's because of what I had to go through, you know, in a way where I am like, see myself like, oh, you know, they have issues in certain areas, whatever it might be. But mm-hmm. I just feel like, I don't know, you've, you know, you keep like reading the same book over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just feels that way. But I don't think I really have to prove anything. I think it's more, I know it is for, you know, the the girls that I've met that aren't sober themselves. I mean, I don't look at it as a, as a deal breaker because I'm not, like, anti-alcohol in any way. Like, I'm more about, like, I'm just better without it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to have a glass of wine with dinner, whatever, like, that doesn't, like, make me run for the hills or anything. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to babysit people, you know. That's mm-hmm. the biggest but for me I, I think it's more it's harder for them because i i get asked a lot early on like is this okay like if i have a drink you know like they but i i, I appreciate the concern you know i'd rather they ask than like not but mm-hmm. it's not a big deal to me but you know respect is important but for me i don't think i have to prove anything i really just think I always tell them that they're lucky they get to meet this version of me and not the old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You're listening to your vlog and your blog. It sounded like you were pretty fun
1: though. Oh, I mean, I don't regret any of it. It was a blast, but you know what I mean? Like at this point in our lives, like it's having your, you know, your life together and, um, you know, being more an adult, um, You know, and having like consistency and being someone someone can rely on, especially at you know, being older, it's like you're looking for consistency, stability, you know, that you're not looking for a wild card that like, oh, what is he gonna do next? kind of thing. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So what do you say like when a person let's say you have two people in a relationship that are both very addicted to alcohol and one wants to stop and one doesn't? Where what is your advice there?
1: Um break up. <laughs> I think that it's okay. So for me, I've been in relationships before where it's been like, you know, all or nothing, you know, in this together kind of thing, but there's been compromises. So I understand little things like, Hey, I need you here. You know, let's make this day this day, you know, like little things, but like when you're doing something that impacts your life that much and that person isn't supporting you, like what on earth would make you think that it's the right person to be with? Mm
2: -hmm. Because
1: all that's going to do is railroad you from what you're trying to do. I mean, if that person doesn't stop and then it turns into like them resenting you, you resenting them, Mm -hmm. them like bullying you. I mean, it all depends obviously on the personality of the people, but they're bullying you and all of a sudden you're finding yourself drinking because you think you feel bad. Cause I mean, you're just putting yourself in toxic situations like over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, it's funny because, um, my relationship like way back. So like through my drinking, a girl and I were on and off for like seven years. And when we broke up in 2012 in April, like me and her had a lot of fun, you know, like we partied and did all that, but she was definitely the one that had it together. And I was not the one that had, it, you know, not even close. So it's, it's funny that you brought that up because that's kind of how we were. Like I was, I lived my life. Like I was single like all the time. And then she would be like, "Jeez, you sure look like act like a guy that's single. And I'd be like, whatever, you know, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, and that's, I mean, but we kept going at like you're. It's exactly what you're talking about, though. We kept saying like this time will be different. We have it together, you know. And I'd be sober for 30 days, and like me and her would be the happiest you ever been. But then that 31st day, I'd, like go right back, you know. Mm-hmm. And eventually, when we broke up in April, and that's actually the last time we saw each other. We've talked a few times just to check in on each other, but see how you know, because you always wish. If you give that much time of your life to someone like there's always going to be like I hope you're doing well kind of thing but mm-hmm. um so yeah I mean we broke up and then six months later was when I got sober so it was like I always look at it as like that being taken away from me it was kind of like I had taken it for granted for so many years that she would always be there yeah. like no matter what I did like she was the most loyal. I don't even know. It didn't even make any sense to me. I guess it really didn't hit me until after the fact, you know, usually does that. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, you don't
1: know what you have till it's gone kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what it took to get me where I am today. I mean, it sucks because you wish, you know, things would be different, but that's not how it works.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, you know, lessons we go through, you know, lessons every day and between my dad passing away and that relationship. I mean, those two things have been like the foundation of where I am today. They really have taught me everything. And I I, have not, I just live off of sayings, you know, off of like quotes, <laughs> <laughs> but the one that I always go back to is, you know, the best apology is a change behavior. It's like, I could never tell her how sorry I am. I could never like put it into words or even, you know, try to. Like living Mm -hmm. my life now, and you know, you know, all the as far as I've come in those eight plus years, like I feel like that's showing her more, showing you know everyone more than what I could ever say to them. So,
0: do you think I would say
1: run, run for the hills?
0: Do you think it's possible for two people uh, who need help to do rehab together?
1: I think so, but again, everyone's different. If you're you have to do it together but separately if that makes sense right like you can't yeah, not go to it. the
0: same meetings well
1: dad, and you can't lean on someone to get you sober right because my whole life when I was drinking was Brian you're doing you're getting a little crazy you know you need to slow down you know you need to do this you need to do that but in my mind I was okay mm-hmm. like I was young I was having fun nothing was wrong And it wasn't until I was 27 and I was the one that was like, all right, I need to stop. Because people can tell you this stuff all day. Like, you Mm -hmm. need to, but if you don't see a problem in yourself, like, why would you want to fix something that isn't a problem?
0: So do you think, like, when you are in a new relationship, do you ever date anyone who is apprehensive that you will relapse?
1: Hmm. I've had that at the beginning, like not hasn't been a relationship, but say like talking to someone Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and they're like, Oh, another, you know, addict or alcoholic, you know, I dealt with this stuff like before. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I mean, I, I'm not gonna, it's not my job to convince them like either way. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I've been sober, you know, eight plus years. And, you know, I have a good support system. I do this, I do that. And I mean, it's really not my problem if they're like well I can't do it it's like okay well (laughs) let me hold the door for you (laughs) but I I, I understand why though because you know we are a lot of us you know are a lot of things are based off our past experiences so why wouldn't they be apprehensive like they were you know emotionally physically abused or you know whatever it is like I get it like why would you want to get back into something like that and it is everyone's different and you know, especially now it's like, you know, so many people have like, say one thing, do another um, hidden agendas kind of thing. So like, mm-hmm. do you really know anyone anymore is kind of the, you know, really?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause it's like, you hear all these crazy stories about like, I love this girl. And then she ended up doing, you know, and it's like, I love this guy. And he ended up doing that. And it's just like, all so crazy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. There's nothing wrong with, with uh, looking out for yourself, but I mean, I'm going to be open and honest about it. I mean, I, like I have healthy alternatives to like bad days. Like I don't, I've never, never once like been walking home from work or whatever, been like, oh, I could go for a beer. Like that doesn't cross my really? mind. Cause like I've come so far that it's, it's harder to convince myself why I would have to drink opposed to why I don't have to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And with that, it's like, I mean, think of all the stuff that I've overcome and, you know, gotten to this point in my life. Like, why would I want to just, I always put it back to my blog. I'm like, I'm not going to go back, you know, put day one on there. Like it's 3,020. Right. I know. (laughs) I'm like, I could never do that. Would just drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah, But it's, you know, I'm in, in a great place that I, and that's another thing about that is I don't take it for granted because I know, I mean, I've met people on the way that, you know, are a lot older than me that have to go to like three meetings a day just to stay sober, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know? So like, I don't take any of it for granted. I don't say like, yeah, this is easy. Cause it's not because I have to focus every, you know, it's not like you just take days off and you don't put any work into it. And that's exactly why I do like the videos and the blogs every day is because having it in my routine, like it's just part of my, part of my life
0: it was keeping instead you accountable of,
1: yeah in, instead of being bored because we don't like
2: mm-hmm.
1: don't like to be bored that's mm-hmm. when you start to <laughs> that's why i have a school and work and you know everything going on it's just like okay i'm good
0: Just stay busy do you still go to yeah. meetings
1: i i only i went regularly like the first few months but i've gone probably to five in the last eight years maybe total I just it was never really I don't know I just I have my way of doing it mm-hmm. and like really wasn't about like the traditional like 12 steps or whatever but my church actually has um, a faith-based um, like AA meetings whatever NA meetings so they do it with like they start off with like a you know scripture and then they have meetings and stuff like that so I'm actually going to was going to go tonight but I um, am going to go with a friend to one of these you know one of these days like Tuesday or Thursday but try to get back into that just to you know Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been getting kind of the urge to do it just to be in rooms with people and kind of share you know my not not so much for me but for everyone else it's kind of the more because they hey another saying if you you know in order to keep it you have to share it (laughs) yep okay yeah
0: (laughs) So then do you, there's stuff though that you have to do every day. So do you do your blog and you do your vlog? and did you say that there's something that you read every day?
1: Oh yeah, actually, hold on, I have it. So this book here, I don't know why it's the Bible for men, because it's just like Bible verses, but. (laughs) Another way to mark it. Yeah. Um, But so basically it's just, um, so it goes by the days of the week. And then it just has like a little um, entry and then like verses from a scripture. So I do that every day too. Just it's more like holding me accountable, you know, for, you know, my faith and then sobriety, like it's stuff that I want incorporated in my everyday life. That's the big, that's the most important thing. Cause it's easy to build. It's easy to go to church on Sunday, like put church on the TV and be like, Oh, I did my faith part of the week. You know, it's easy to do that. Um, And it's easy to, you know, build a foundation on faith and just like say that over and over again, but like to actually read, you know, parts of the Bible every day of the week, like that keeps you, you know, keeps me like faith based, I guess you could say, you know, like, and it's funny too, because they're all numbered, but, you know, by the days, but sometimes i'll flip it open to the day and it'll be like exactly what i'm going through and i'm like this is so weird you know just it's weird wow. it's like be patient or like let it go or move on you know whatever it is it's like always you at yeah, the moment where you're like what's going on here <laughs>
0: <laughs> they knew you needed that message today yeah
1: no absolutely just crazy
0: it was church a vital role in you um becoming and staying sober
1: Well, not so much in getting sober. So I started dating a girl, um, after I got sober, then in March of the next year, she had already gone to Eagle Brook and had invited me with her and her family to go. So I had never, I had went there in 2006 when my dad passed away, but I didn't really, I really wasn't, you know, I was (laughs) not during church, but you know what I mean? um but yeah so she invited me there and she's like oh it's not like you know your traditional church they have like great music and you know all this stuff and I'm like okay whatever you know I wasn't I was always a holiday church goer as a kid too like it wasn't really part of our you know with my single mom she just we got there when we could you know it was tough but um and of course there wasn't tv or smartphones, so we couldn't watch it on tv which is so convenient especially in a pandemic. I mean, it probably saved all the churches, definitely. Okay. And um, your
0: church has an app. I find that
1: oh easy. Yeah,
0: like, that's yeah. insane to me. And um, I think I'm going to put a link to your church because I have enjoyed uh, following them. I have I have liked them. Eagle Brook.
1: Oh, yeah, they're great. Um, so, yeah, we went there and, you know, it was great. And so I've been going ever since. So it's like eight years now, be eight years in March. So it's been, and then I was baptized in 2017. So and how that? that was, that was kind of my own choice. You know, like I was obviously baptized as a, as a baby,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: they, this was like my choice of like that moment where it was like, just wash all that away and, you know, just a fresh Kind of deck a new declaration of faith, I should say, something like that. And did I you wanted have to have godparents, do huh?
0: Did you have godparents then? Like, did you pick sponsors to be there when you had that done, or no?
1: Uh, my family was there, but we didn't have to have anybody like that. But my um, it's like my sister and the kids showed up, I didn't know they were going to be there, so that was cool. Mm-hmm. And her, my niece and nephew, so that was way to get me emotional when I watch <laughs>
2: yeah. oh, that's
1: cool. um but no it was great you know my two sisters and her husband and you know everyone was there you know it was it was great good and it's they've been a bit you know they've been a big part of my life and it's uh they've been very supportive you know the support system is really what makes or breaks it because that keeps a lot of people from getting sober and you know staying sober is the people around them Cause a lot of times they don't care or they don't exist. So they're very important. I mean, I love all those guys, you know, they, they really, always have had my back, you know, what's that, whatever I've done, good or bad. And that's, I think it's important that they have your back, you know, both, both scenarios Mm -hmm. because it's easy to love someone when they're doing, you know, doing well, but when they're at their worst, it's, that's when we got to love them the hardest, you know,
0: absolutely. How about emotions? How did you? Because um, a lot of times people drink to suppress emotions and they don't want to think about certain things. How did you handle the emotional roller coaster?
1: Of like not being able to drink?
0: Well, of like if you weren't just, and, and maybe this doesn't apply to you because maybe you were drinking just for fun, you weren't drinking because. You had a bad relationship or you had a bad job or you had a bad day but a lot of times um, when people drink they drink because they're kind of in a funk and they want to feel better about life so how did you like were you ever on an emotional roller coaster after that because like, you couldn't suppress it's, your emotions
1: it's funny because i just wrote about this not too long ago but talking about the first 15 minutes like that's what we're always chasing when we're using or drinking. It has nothing to do with the, uh, like, the entire time. It's always that. So it was like, you know, it, it was a way of, like, I wasn't where I wanted to be in my life. So, like, that's kind of, you know, I thought I would be in it. you know, when you start to hit, like, 24, 25, and you're like, why, why isn't this stuff happening for me? And you kind of start to look around, like, why is this person like married and has a good job you know you start to scroll the Facebook and you're like everyone's happy but me you kind of thing you know but first um, of
0: all but are they
1: no they're not <laughs> we know how the outtakes go yeah no but this is what I'm saying in the mindset back then yeah
2: yeah
1: um so that was that but that first 15 minutes so it's like I'm miserable like a long week at work that just terrible whatever it is and you get home and you drink those first couple of drinks and you get like the rosy cheeks and like you can start to just feel like the calm like that 15 minutes of like oh you just you know when everyone's like oh i can't wait to get home and have a drink you know a glass of wine a beer Mm
2: -hmm. whatever
1: it is and for me it was always chasing that like getting home just that my but then like the hundred beers after that like i wasn't chasing having that hangover the next day I was chasing having that 15 minutes where I just, it was almost like I was sitting there and then the 15 minutes you kind of like just float next to yourself and you're like, Oh, okay. Everything is good now. You know what I mean? So it was always like those 15 minutes was what it was all, all about. And I think it's a great example because you know everyone and it's the same with using it's like oh I'm chasing that high and that high isn't like the whole time like you're chasing that 30 seconds or 90 seconds or what you know what I mean
2: mm-hmm. like it's
1: not I don't know that's just how I put it was the 15 minutes but I definitely did have emotions I mean it was all over you know like petty stuff like why is not this happened for then you know it would get worse as I would drink more and I'd be more dramatic, like, oh, it's, uh, the world, you know, just so, st- I mean, looking back, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm here now, but, uh, and I always think about my ex who I'm like, how did she ever put <laughs> I mean, she must've really loved me to, to be there that many times, but, um.
0: Cause drunk yeah, people I mean, can be a little much, like I've told my family that before, like they're all super annoying when they're drinking and they yeah. did not appreciate that. But I mean, it was the truth.
1: I mean, I just, I don't know. I would try to, you know, just be so over the top. And, you know, people would feed into it though back then because they were just like, yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah. And I thought it was so cool. But yeah, it's definitely, I always wish I was like followed around with the camera when I was younger. That would have been great. Mm-hmm. I could have probably made a movie off of it, but. Um, were you emotional that
0: when you stopped or no?
1: I think. The thing about it is I got I allowed myself to be more emotional when I was sober. You know, I I always tell people that like every emotion we have, so like happiness, sadness, anger, whatever it is, like we if we're not experiencing all of them, like in our lives, we're not, you know, living a full life. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to cry, it's okay to be mad, it's okay to be happy, like it's okay to be all those things. And I think it was like when my dad passed away, I'd never I didn't cry, like the funeral, like nothing like that. I was trying, you know, just felt like I had to be strong for people. I don't know, I just didn't. And then it was like one random night, you know, year, a year or two later, whatever it was. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was just sitting at a friend's house, like drinking and like playing music on the computer. And then all of a sudden I just like lost it and cried for like an hour, you know, I don't know, you know, grieving hits us all different, but, mm-hmm. um, but in recovery, I mean, I've allowed myself to be more emotional, which has really helped me, um, like clear my head. Cause you know, you hold in like those really personal and emotional moments because it's easy mm-hmm. to not want to be judged and not, you know, want people to think like less of you. Cause I, I had a big problem with like caring what people thought. I mean, I think everyone goes through that phase yeah. to some longer than others. Yeah. And Ever since I've been able to get into that, like control what I can control thing, you know, not worry about what I can't control not worry about what other people think. I think it's, it's really helped me in that aspect of it, where I can just speak freely and it's really come out in my, my videos that I've done because, I mean, I just recently started doing it and I was never really that comfortable with sharing. Like it's easy to write it. Cause it's like, Oh, whatever. You know, I'm just writing it and not talking to anybody but Mm -hmm. to like open up you know and be that direct and honest about stuff like on video like it it was intimidating at first I remember doing the first one and just being like here goes nothing but I wanted a different way to communicate with people because Mm -hmm. I mean I'm one of the rare people especially my age that like likes to read because I know people don't like to read um They'd rather listen or, you know, and watch. I mean, that's kind of just a generational thing, you know, but it's important just as many platforms as I can have to just, you know, let people know. My biggest thing is, you know, sometimes all it takes is one thing from one person, you know, to hear it and be like, oh, wow, that's what I needed to hear. And I mean, for me, Especially because
0: people like to watch and listen.
1: Yeah. And it can be in anything though. But, you know, as long as this content keeps getting made, like the right person stumbles across it and, you know, it can change everything. And that's, that's really the goal in it all. I mean, everyone asks me that, like, you know, what inspires you to do it? And it's like, well, for me, it's good. Like it's good therapy. It's good. um, You know, consistency. And um, like you said, accountability, but you know, it's bigger than that. Like it's more for everybody. Like I, I talk to people and connect with people because I love like getting DMS from people. And they're like, man, I've been sober, like a hundred days, six, six weeks, you know, two weeks, two days, like your videos, your blog has helped me. Like, that's what it's all about. I I mean, that's, that's exact. And that's bigger than anything I could ever do. Like in an office somewhere on my own, like that's when you're impacting people's lives, like that's, that's, why I'm so passionate about it Mm -hmm. and you know definitely why I know it's my purpose of what I'm supposed to be doing like you get that kind of you know you get someone you know someone talking to you and you're just like you get it like it just clicks like okay this is exactly where I'm supposed to be and what I'm the people I'm supposed to be taught you know just Mm -hmm. everything makes sense which is weird in life because nothing ever makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when something does, you really have to take it and run with it for sure.
0: Did you, do you kind of think that you needed to become a little more real and raw in those videos to reach people?
1: Yeah, I I think it can really get, um, it can get really uh, repetitive. Like if you're just reading, you know, above the surface, like it can be like, you know, be all you can be, you know, whatever. And then it's like, you know, it's really important that I gave it my, you know, and you just sound like a robot, but like when I can like dive into personal experiences and like show people that this is like my life and not just, you know, I'm not trying to self promote anything. Like it's like, I'm just trying to connect with people. Um, it, but I mean, it can, it can get, like I said, going below the surface is so important because, that's where everyone is hiding so like anyone can stay up here and be like yeah do this you know post a post a quote or you know i'm post whatever and be like yay but like when you finally dive into like personal stuff sorry i don't know if i can swear
2: keep it (laughs) clean brian okay
1: personal stuff um (laughs) personal stuff but um that's where the connections really happen, Cause you know, there's, there's people out there that have never talked about those things, you know and then they're like, well, they, well, he opened up like maybe if I can open up to me, you know to him or to someone else, like that'll help me, you know heal because the longer we keep that stuff, you know it's not, it doesn't make it any easier. It's not gonna go away.
0: And I think I've probably said this before but I think it's important for people to realize that this is something you do work on daily. Like, this isn't something that you go through this 12-step program and voila, you're done.
1: Oh, yeah. No, you're you're in it for for as long as you want to be sober. You got to be in it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: And you, you do need take,
0: good support.
1: That's, yeah. that's huge. As much as you have to do it on your own, like, you need to know that those people are there. That's, that's so important.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But people are not going to respond. Like, if you know that someone needs to get sober... You can't approach them. You need to let them do this on their own.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if you don't see a problem, there isn't a problem.
2: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: That, that's how I was. I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, I, okay, well, I'll go drink more just to prove you wrong. <laughs> 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 oh, the, thought process. the thought process is something.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> then what, what do you say to people then when they feel like they are faced with a lot of emotions where like where are you starting are people do you encourage them to I don't know and I'm I mean we all know like I am not a um, I'm not really well versed in this I haven't had to deal with it on a personal level but if a person doesn't have a good support system are there online resources for people to go because you know, people are saying they're on emotional roller coasters and, you know, they're having, they're struggling daily and not necessarily can even people get to meetings daily, you know, even if they have all the time in the world, you know, you know, with resources yeah. and everything. So are, are there meetings that people can attend online daily? I mean, are there?
1: Oh, yeah. I have actually a friend who, um, she does a woman's meeting in St. Paul and she's it's all over zoom. So like you can do all the zoom, they do AA meetings over zoom. So if you just click, you know, Google, like your area and AA meetings, like I'm sure that they do have, I know she does um, them every day. So, you know, ever since, ever since, you know, the restrictions and stuff, it's all went to, to online. Um, But there's always resources. I mean, just typing in, you know, simple like AA information or, you know as far as support goes but and there's always you know like sober like Instagram for example like sobriety you know look it up and look at accounts that you know like hashtag it or you know post stuff about it and just connect with them like send them a message and be like hey I'm new to sobriety or I'm struggling with it like there's so many people willing to help and it it's tough because When you don't have your family, you feel like you have no one. And when you have to, when you feel like bummed out because no one's coming to rescue you or no one's there to help you, it's easy to fall into that. But remember that you can still do the work yourself and find people that will support you.
0: Do you think that the online meetings are as beneficial as the Zoom meetings? Or do you think that there is another element to actually being with people
1: i think i think there'll always be a better um, a better element of being face to face cuz i think it's much more personal and you kind of have everyone's attention whereas if you're just staring at a screen with like 10 20 people on it you're kind of like listening and you know you might be like over here doing something So, yeah, I mean, I think that takes a big hit. And I think that's the toughest part of it is that personal, like face-to-face interaction. Um, It's so necessary too, because, you know, like I said, there's no distractions. So I feel like they are beneficial in a way, but you know, it's, I love like face-to-face interaction. I love seeing like passion and um I love seeing people's like determination you know just to like see their facial expressions and see like how much stuff means to them. like it's Mm -hmm. it's definitely different
0: and their body language and their energy like you can kind of feel all that
1: yeah I mean and plus when people are like on zoom calls they might react differently than they would in a room you know they might feel different or like Mm -hmm. they're by themselves like you know like this and they're like but some might feel more comfortable, like, in a room filled with people and looking around, like, can anyone hear me outside here, you know?
0: <laughs> right. Did any of your family members go to Al-Anon while you were going through this?
1: No. Okay. No, I really just, I don't know, just, what's that? Um, <laughs> I just really went for, it, you know, just, it was time. I didn't really just got on the horse and went
0: mm-hmm. there's you know I live in a very very small area and it's hard because there is a need for support here but yeah. people um, they like to remain anonymous and not so much that I don't I, I, and again, not speaking from experience, but I'm, I'm thinking that this is why, not necessarily that they don't want to go and share their story, but they don't want to be judged by other people because a friend of mine named Brian posted something one day that said, um, it's easy to be the lawyer in your own life and the judge for other people. You remember posting that?
1: Oh, I was like, who's your friend Brian?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: Oh yeah, no, that that's... it's ridiculous
0: it does like i i really really like that quote but it's hard because even when people want to find help sometimes you would hope that people are there to get help and to support people but you know at the end of the day not always maybe
1: i mean hidden agendas yeah people might show up there just to hear a story until they can go out and ridicule
0: Yeah. yeah and I, I had actually I started a Facebook group because I had talked to some people and and I thought I was um, kind of a medium, you know, where I could start it because, you know, this is now my fourth podcast where I've talked about um, addiction. And I've had a lot of people uh, contact me, but we just can't get anything going off the ground because, you know, we're in a town of 1200, which kind of makes me sad.
1: Yeah. I mean, there has to be, I don't know if it's a way to kind of connect them, but not make it as public, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of not, I mean, even if it gets to a point of being like a private group, so there's not like any people, you know, outsiders that are just there for information. I don't know, but there's, Mm -hmm. there's definitely ways to, I mean, it's, everything takes work, I guess. And you just gotta, gotta figure it out. But, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's always, you know, room for finding a group, like I said, or making it more, I mean, even if it's individuals, like if it's someone talking to you directly and, or someone talking to me or someone talking to another person, maybe if it's just one-on-one sharing Mm -hmm. it, like then, you know, you know, you're not sharing it in a chat room or in a meeting. Right. and it sucks that you have to do that but I mean circumstances really dictate everything so if it is a small town and there's a worry of being anonymous then maybe it's like here's these two people who are the contacts of who they're going to talk to
0: right that's a good point but and then
1: is- you, you could even you know you could even share without the names of the people though but would would they figure it out right if they were like this so-and-so, they're like, well, that's Jill, of course, you know, someone would know. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Do you think that it'd be beneficial for an Al-Anon person and an AA person to kind of join forces, or is that apples and
1: oranges? I don't know. I'm not really well versed in the the Al-Anon part. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, I don't know. I think as much as we talked about the support system, I think that being separate, I think we need to push a lot of responsibility on the the addict and the alcoholic. Yeah. Cause I mean, it sucks. That's like the hardest part of it. But I mean, we have to I mean, you have to abandon chip on them in a way because like, you know, when you start to I watch that show intervention all the time, you know, on AE. AE. I used to watch that a lot um all the reruns and they um they always talk about that so they have the meeting with the family and there's always the the mom or the dad that's the enabler of it all, you know, and they're like, well, I love her, you know, and then the dad's giving her like hundred dollars here, hundred dollars, and she's buying whatever with, you know, and it's like I get that it's like your child, like you never want to abandon your child, but that's not your child that's doing that. Like you have to You have to let them, because how would you like it? Would you like to coddle them, enable them, and they die of an overdose? Like, say that, right? Because they're buying their drugs with your money, Yeah. and you're the one that's supporting their habit, or do you cut them off and say, either go do what you want to do, or get sober and come home? I mean, to me, that's like taking a giant like mountain off your back. Then if you're emptying your bank account so your child can you know die from a drug overdose right right?
0: did you have an enabler or no
1: did I no oh my friends were cool they were at first they kind of joked around because I had done it before I quit for a month and then like six months went by and they're like holy crap dude and now it's like they're all I love all my friends so much they're all so supportive um and they um it's funny too because (laughs) At like tailgating and stuff of someone would be like oh can you hand me a beer they'll like grab a beer out of it and then someone i know will see me and be like brian what are you doing they're <laughs> like hey relax relax you know like, i, I mean i appreciate it. that though they're always looking out for me so it's i mean like i said i'm very grateful and i'm not um taking it for granted like the great people that i have around me but again i i give myself credit for that too because It's who you surround yourself I mean you pick who your friends are you know yeah so
0: what's your what's your biggest advice for people who want to get sober and they're struggling what's your first uh best piece of advice there
1: the hardest thing about it is you want to want to get sober because you could say it you can say that with anything though because Mm -hmm. We all know people that I want to get sober and they always usually say that like when they're really drunk and emotional, I want to lose weight. I want to be healthy. I want to start working out. I want to, but it's never like when they're in their right mind, it's always like some emotional drunk state or whatever, you know? Um, But but the biggest thing I tell people is like, if you want to do something, you'll do it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I never wanted to quit drinking. I quit drinking for 30 days a few times, but there was never a time in my life where I was like, I'm done with this life until I got sober. You know why? Because I decided that it was time to get sober. And it sucks because we can't save everyone because there's gonna be people that drink. Like my dad was 56 when he died uh, drinking and drugs. Um, I had a friend die at 26 from liver failure from drinking. And I mean, there's people that aren't going to be saved. Um, And that's the hardest reality of it is like people, you know, people you love aren't going to make it Um, your family, your friends. And so for us, people that, that do make it like me, like that, that's another reason why I'm so passionate about it. Um, I feel like I'm spreading their messages too. Um, But yeah, I would say they have to want to do it. I mean, I, I can't give you any like secret codes on a controller like a video game I can't (laughs) give you any don't try to cut corners don't try to take the easy way out like there's no easy way out Um, yeah once you look yourself in the mirror and realize that you're the problem and you need to stop you will
0: So, what about someone who's been sober for 30, 60, 90 days, or two years, or three years, or two days? What are you saying to the people who have started on their sobriety journey?
1: Don't compare.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: I have someone that, I have a lot of people actually say this to me. They, like when I posted like my 3000th day or whatever, and they'll be like, someone like had messaged me and was like, I have 100 days like I can't I can't even imagine what it's like to be at 3000 and I'm always like hey so look at it this way so we all had a day 1 right we all started in the first day and like all we have to is today so like without today those 3000 those 2999 days don't matter right yeah and those 99 days you had before don't matter we all have this one day today to be sober mm-hmm. And that's where I go with it. Like, don't, don't compare. Like if you got sober yesterday and you're like, oh, I wish I had eight years sober, 10 years sober, like don't, hey, another quote. I've just set myself up for these all night. (laughs) Comparison is the thief of joy. Everyone knows that.
0: that That's very true.
1: Everyone knows that one, I think. Do they? I I hope so. But that's my biggest advice is like focus on, stay in your lane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: control you can control leave the rest
0: I love it well, I think you're inspirational and I think every single day I know every single day because I see it you are encouraging people to do better be better and live better and that is exactly what I am about so I appreciate all that you do on a daily basis and I want you to keep on keeping on there was there was my little quote
1: Oh, one thing. Other one, other thing too. So I just wanted people to know that. I like that quote, by the way. Is that Joe Dirt? <laughs> um,
0: oh, well, um, judging my quotes. Sorry,
1: my no, name. No, I, I love Fenty Joe Bork. Dirt. Um, no, so what I wanted to say too is, I've really been pushing this part of it too, and making it go beyond sobriety and beyond recovery. It's more like a life perspective too, mm-hmm. because you know when I first got sober, I was so about like, now I'm sober. That's it. Like everything's good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you handicap yourself that way by being like, I got sober. I'm not drinking or doing drugs. Everything's okay. But you still keep living the same way you were living just without the substances. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to not look at, don't look at getting sober as the top of the mountain, look at it as the bottom. Like that's the start of it.
0: Oh, I like
2: that.
1: Like, when you're getting sober, you're at base camp. You haven't climbed a mountain yet. Yeah. Like, you're shaking down at the bottom, like, oh, my God, I don't want to do it. But, yeah, just perspective is everything. So, keep on keeping
0: (laughs) See, it's catchy.
1: I like Joe Dirt. Maybe I'll wear a mullet wig next
0: time. Well, you know, my kid had a mullet for a long time, so I'm
1: partial. Oh, nice. I like it.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. All right. Any other any other uh, last words of advice you'd like to say?
1: Um, my last words of advice are if you want to do something, just go do it. Stop talking about it. Stop complaining about it. Stop acting like you can't do it. Just go do it. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane
0: podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews
2: are appreciated.